Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's Mike Shope and the Bulldog. Welcome to the Hotel Hell. Check-in time is now. Check-out time is never. It's Mike Shope. Does my room have cable? No. And the sheets are made of fire. Can I change rooms? Sorry, we're all booked up. Hell convention in town. And the Bulldog. Can I have a late checkout? I'll have to talk to the manager. You're not the manager, even in your own fantasy? I'm the owner. The co-owner. With Satan. It's Mike Shope. Okay. Just... So I understand that in your wildest fantasy, you are in hell, and you are co-running a bed and breakfast with the devil. And the bulldog. Yeah, but I haven't told you my salary yet. Go. $80,000 a year. Wow. WGR Sports Radio 550. Hell convention. I love hell convention. And the sheets are made of fire. Oh, baby. All right, we got a game tonight, Sabres and Bruins. We're going to talk some more football right now. Our friend Connor Rogers joins us on the Western Hotline at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter from Indianapolis. Connor, I just saw your announcement, NBC. Congrats. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. I'm really, really excited. Uh, new opportunity, and, and I really do appreciate you shouting that out. Yeah, you're welcome. So the Fantasy Football Happy Hour is that, like, Matt Berry, Lawrence Jackson, Pat Corrine, those guys? Yes, yes, exactly. We will. Uh, we are looking forward to running it back next year. Not, okay, you were, all right, cool. I know Pat a little bit. Um, n- nice win, by the way, he had this year. Oh, a banner win. <laughs> Pat, Pat could have rode off into the sunset, but thank God it sounds yes. like he's staying with us to keep the good times going. Yes, so congrats on that. Very cool. All right, so um, how's Indianapolis? It's awesome. It's been chaotic in a good way. Uh, we had the Jalen Carter situation yesterday, one of the top players in the draft, and now we got the testing underway here and all the different media going on. And this is really the kickoff to the new NFL season, even without the league year officially beginning. Just having everybody from the NFL in one centralized location makes for a lot of good action. Too soon, I'm sure, to sort of speculate on what happens to Carter in the draft, but it's not nothing, is it? I mean, he's somebody that you hear mentioned, or at least did hear mentioned for 101, perhaps. Um, what What is your analysis of this? Like, where do you think we're headed? Absolutely. It's not nothing, and it really, you know, good point that there's a lot of variables here, that we don't have a defined answer, but we do know that it matters, and I think that's always the first place to start, is that will this just be swept all under the rug by the time the draft rolls around. I'm not entirely convinced that that's the case. And keep in mind, even if he does clear his name, um, you know, of these charges, you're dealing with the situation of a player that 
there was, and I know Todd McShay had highlighted this a while ago, you know, just questions about the maturity with Jalen Carter. And now this just kind of raises the eyebrows a little more for the rest of the league where Jalen Carter is an outstanding football talent. And a lot of his teammates here um, have, have defended the kind of character he has and all of those things. But it doesn't mean that he won't have to answer those kinds of questions throughout the interview process and is far from a lock for now from being the first defensive player drafted. Just assuming the Chicago Bears trade that first overall pick, which seems likely, we could have a quarterback-quarterback draft with the Texans picking at number two. But with Arizona at three, I think everything's on the table. And I think Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson are, are at, at least considered even odds to go first with Jalen Carter in that spot. I've been talking a lot with different guests here, Connor, of late about this draft this being combine week, of course, so it's a fit. You can always talk draft, though. And interesting, maybe, that the Bears... So the Bears fall into the number one pick, and, like, what a dream. Like, they have Justin Fields. They could even possibly trade him. Sounds like they won't. Fine. Their pick of, you know, just different teams to deal with and all this power. If... Maybe you'll tell me if I'm wrong here or just what, but if you get three or even four quarterbacks out of this weekend who people are, like, really hyped for. I'm not sure that's great for the Bears. Like, maybe you'd want there to be one. <laughs> you know, a Trevor Lawrence situation or something where he, they have all the, the power. But, you know, with Young and Stroud and Levis and even Richardson, maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's still good. But uh, a team like Indianapolis, in this example, perhaps, doesn't even have to make a move. It's a really good point, right? And everybody has their different types. And as much as I see... A guy like Bryce Young is the best quarterback in this draft by a good margin. There are teams that will look at his size, and I'll just throw out, I'll guess, and say he comes in at 5'10 and 3 quarters, 195 pounds. That just won't fly for them. and it, Or maybe they can get over that, but they won't pay a premium for it. So I think it's a great point. And I think four quarterbacks are locked into the top ten. I really do. I think it's going to be Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson coming off the board with those top ten picks. And when you look at it like that, you have to wonder what can the the Bears can get a lot for this pick. I think if teams really love Bryce Young, and I think they will, what the Bears have to leverage is essentially Houston and the Colts against each other. I think that's their most important aspect is the fact that whoever jumps the other one, if Houston can flip at one and they get Bryce and he turns out the way he thinks uh, we will, well then you're looking at a division that the Colts have to deal with with Trevor Lawrence and Bryce Young for how long, and then that's a scary situation to be in. And then you look at, here's the wild card, I'll say, as well for Chicago. Uh, the, the NFC South is just an abysmal situation. And the Panthers have put together a really good coaching staff. They do have young ascending talent on the team. They have swung and missed at quarterback over and over and over again. And when you hear Frank Reich speak here and Scott Fitterer speak here, that sounds like a team that, assuming they don't sign Derek Carr, which isn't entirely off the table, they're a team that I think will be really, really aggressive in this spot to go get a guy because they might be sitting there outside of those top five picks and be a little afraid of how the dominoes fall, and they'd rather be in a concrete situation. So there's a lot of drama and theater in the quarterback situation at the top of this draft, and honestly, it's great for the event. Yeah, like Carolina, Connor, I kind of go back and forth. I mean, I, I think I'm a little bit above the market, so to speak, on Carr. Like, I think I might might like him a little more than others that I'm hearing talk about him. Like, I, I've had his one-loss record put in, in front of me recently a couple times. I'm like, well... He's, he never had a good defense there. I don't know. Like, at his age, I wouldn't hate a team signing him to, like, a real contract. But most people seem to be talking about he's asking for too much money and he's not that good. So, in Carolina, 
I could see it for them because I think he's established. You've got Reich, your point about talent, DJ Moore. I mean, they've got definitely they've got guys to work with, but they might also or instead be at the point in time where okay, you know, Cam, we had Cam Newton and post Cam Newton, like they've been scrambling. Uh, maybe they're ready for a rookie. Maybe that does fit. It's a fascinating situation, right? Because I see both sides of it. Carr is more than good enough to win that division. It almost feels like, and maybe it's a dangerous thing to say, but like it, it kind of sleepwalking. It's just it's a bad division. The Bucks seem, seem like they're accepting their rebuild. The Saints are trying to push money down the road like they do every single year to maybe to get Carr to come there. Uh, I just when you look across the board, I, I just think it's one of you know the Falcons are. It always, you know, one foot in, one foot out with the quarterback situation recently. They, and they're another team that we could discuss in this situation for sure. But if Carolina signs Carr, you feel confident that, Car- you know, and they've improved their offensive line significantly over the last couple of years, especially when they took Iggy Aquanu last year, who got much better as the season went on. They're a team that can win with Carr right now. But back to your point, and this is where I, I kind of lean just trying to judge body language, and I don't get, you know, over crazy about press conference quotes, but I think they were pretty honest. It did seem like Reich and Fitter were eager for that potential rookie. And when you really dial into Reich's situation with the Colts for a while, uh, they just kept swinging and missing on veterans. And veterans that were at the, at the last straw of their career or really their time had run out and they thought it wasn't out. So I think Reich might be motivated and intrigued by the idea uh, of drafting a quarterback and developing him. And here's the giveaway that I'll give you that not a lot of people, I haven't seen anybody discuss this. They hired Josh McCown to be the quarterback's coach, right? I remember when Josh McCown came to New York, the thought process from both him and the Jets was that one day he'd be there to mentor a rookie quarterback. And it was something that a lot of guys are not like this. It was something that he was inspired by. And now that he's hired there to be that voice in the room as a coach, he's the perfect voice for a rookie quarterback with Reich. So maybe that's a little bit of a hint for what's to come in Carolina. Yeah, that's really good. I didn't know that. So um, Carolina has been more like the kind of team that would put Josh McCown under center. Uh, lately than yeah. do, do something yeah. like this exactly you you want to follow up on atlanta uh, i was talking boy they're running together i'm sorry but i had a guest this week who brought up Bijan robinson for atlanta and i'm like wow that is top 10 is a team ready to do that but he is good and atlanta is like maybe the perfect team for him why are the falcons more prominent in in at least what i'm hearing in terms of the quarterback talk I think they've hit it quite well. I think they like Ritter. I don't think they love Ritter. It took them a while to move to him last year. They should have moved to him much earlier and gotten him more experience. Now, I see two sides to the Bijan situation. The one side is he's just a great player, and then you're trotting out an offense that has freakish size and athletes all around whoever's under center with Drake London, who flashed last year with Kyle Pitts, who I think they get back on track and then Bijan Robinson. But the side number two that I've, I see as much more realistic is, at some point, you need to start taking valuable positions that are winning you games. And you're already in a really weak division right now, so it's right there for the taking. I look at that situation and go, okay, so you've now taken a tight end in the top five, a wide receiver in the top ten, which I personally have no problem with, and then a running back in the top ten three years in a row, that's kind of bad asset management. And I yeah. understand Kyle Pitts is, uh, you know, generational tight end. B. John Robinson, generational running back. I understand that. I'm the draft guy that loves them as players and think they'll be really good players. But part of this game for GMs is using your assets wisely. And 
at some point Atlanta needs to get that quarterback to start winning games. And I'll say this. I think if the Lamar Jackson situation gets much further down the road, because we're not there yet, I could see Atlanta being in that sweepstakes because they have an owner that wants to start a quarterback. We know they were kind of in on the Deshaun Watson situation as well. And if the Ravens do have to trade him, which we're still a little far away from, it will be out of the AFC and to the NFC. Connor, that situation is not getting better, though. Like I, I have been, I have been sort of in denial about it. Like, how could you possibly do it? You wait him out. You may offer him more, whatever. Like, you just make it work. But it's like again today. Now you've got teammates piling on against the GM. You know, when the GM sort of takes a shot at their receivers. Like, I don't know. It could be. It could be sooner. We could be sooner to a trade than I thought. And it, yeah, and it feels like one that you never know it could come out of nowhere. And and he, that's because we have this you know, franchise tag situation where if they give him the non-exclusive, a team can negotiate with him and he could sign a deal and they would force the Ravens to match it. And if they don't, they get the two first round picks because, I mean, he's, I, don't, I don't see how Lamar Jackson plays on not only the franchise tag, but the, the non-exclusive one that's about $33, $32.6 million. And I, I, months ago, I wouldn't even entertain the conversation. And gradually, this has ramped up to the point where I'm like, you have to because he's dug in. I think he's rightfully stubborn. I think Baltimore is an organization that has values they refuse to stray from, uh, similar to a team in their division like the Steelers. They just do things a certain way. They think the organizational structure, and I'm not arguing for or against this, will carry on and they'll always find a way to draft talent, develop talent, and win football games. And it's not based around one player. And this is, that's why this is the ultimate stare down right now. With Connor Rogers, Mike Shope here on WGR. Bulldog is off this week. Well, I know you do some Jets work uh, too for SNY. Connor, are, are the like what what kind of place does Lamar Jackson have in the Jets conversation? With you know, there's Derek Carr who's been in. There's Aaron Rodgers. There's other guys, I guess too. Um, I mean, Jackson has got to be a long shot for anybody because you just don't know if Baltimore wants to do that, but. Like, is he prominent in the speculation there? I think if it got to the place where, say, Rodgers retires, goes back to Green Bay, a non-Jets situation, which is entirely possible. Carr, which is not discussed a lot, could feel the same way. Carr could like the idea of the NFC better than going to play for the Jets. Carr might not like the New York City media market. He might not like the idea of how tough the AFC is because he's lived that already. It's, It's been tough goings. And so the Jets, whether they go all out or not, and I think they will, starting with Rodgers and then Dakar, if those, they don't get those guys, and there's a very real world we live in where that happens, and Lamar Jackson becomes available, I think the Jets absolutely would put an offer on, you would think the Jets would put an offer on the table that would be significant, but the problem is they always lose in a tie to those teams in the NFC, because if you're Baltimore, you don't want to see them a lot. You, you just don't. You, it's hard to overcome the scrutiny of trading a guy in his mid-20s that already won you an MVP that that city adores. And I can't stress that part enough. That city adores Lamar Jackson, where if this trade ultimately happens, I think it's a situation that they go, we got to get him as far away as possible <laughs> because we just we just can't deal with that. Yeah, that NFC South, I keep thinking about that for Carr, too. Like, wherever he goes, they're the favorite. I mean, even Derek Carr, I think, they would be the favorite in that division if he were to somehow end up on any of those four teams. They all need somebody, you would think. With Connor Rogers, so let's talk a little Bills here. It's probably been too long. Um, 27th pick. Here's what here's what's happened to me, Connor, in the few weeks since we've talked maybe, uh, or however long it's been. You know, guests 
one or two a day talking about the draft and from the combine and that. And I feel like when the season ended, like, okay, enough with the defensive line in the first two rounds of the draft. They they'll have they have to know now that they need weapons. So let's finally be able to talk wide receiver realistically for them. And I feel like I've be, I'm being talked out of it. Not that there aren't receiver candidates, but you know, one guy says, oh, the guys who are worth it will be gone already, premium position. Uh, you need offensive line too, even defense, especially if Poyer leaves, Edmonds leaves. So I don't know. I feel like my idea, not that it was only mine, Connor, but wide receiver, it's perfect. It's time for the Bills in round one. Maybe that's not as realistic as I want it to be. So I wonder this with the Bills and wide receiver, which I do think is on the table because this draft can kind of angle, you know, as I've told you guys, where it falls into their lap, whether that's Jackson Smith and Jigba being taken at the end of the first round, which doesn't really make sense, but I think it could happen very realistically. Jordan Addison, probably not there, but it could happen. These things could happen in this draft where the Bills end up getting a really, really good receiver with that pick. My biggest question is, do we get the solution to this well before the draft? Do the Bills, despite, I understand Josh Allen's cap numbers going up, Stephon Diggs' cap numbers going up, they have fascinating decisions to make on the external market. But as we've seen in this league for a long time with restructures, void years, bonuses, money can be moved around at an alarming, alarming rate. And the Bills have stability in their front office where they are more than capable of doing that. Do the Bills attack the veteran market and say, we don't want to deal with any rookie growing pains. We want a guy that comes in here and makes us, gives us a lethal one-two with Diggs and whoever it is. is. Is DeAndre Hopkins going to be traded? Everybody thinks so. We've already heard the Chargers shut down the idea of letting Keenan Allen go, but there's always veteran wide receivers on the market that can be had for non-premium picks because it's all about the money. That's all it's about is moving that money out. Are the Bills in go-for-it mode in that aspect where they'd rather get the bet wide receiver? And then if they don't have to pay a premium to do that, you can use those selections to rebuild your trenches, which I think is something Brandon Bean has had his eyes on this entire offseason so far. I cannot tell you enough how uh, heavily he was watching the offensive line and defensive lines on the field at the Senior Bowl, and rightly so. There's depth in both those units where they can capitalize on that. So I, I kind of do lean that way. I think if the Bills look at their premium capital and think trenches, 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 and they want to take a little bit off Josh Allen's shoulders. Yes, getting a top-end wide receiver does that but also a, a better offensive line with a run game does that as well. I like that. Here, I want to give you a name for this point that I have not said on the air yet, but I've been thinking about it, just hasn't come up. Deontay Johnson. Some mm-hmm. some yep. speculation he's movable or that they'd want to move him. It's a pretty big number, like uh, 10 million, 10, maybe 16 is his cap number as I see it. But I don't know, is that realistic? He's good. He is very good, and he's somebody that might be in a frustrated situation because they've gone through a little bit of a retool over there, and you just look at the kind of player he is right now at this point of his career, right? He's 26 years old. He's been highly productive. He kind of can go for 1,000 yards in his sleep, and I know he didn't get there last year, but it's just it just was not his fault with what the Steelers were working with. And, and you go back to the cap hit, once again, these are things that you can really manipulate, that you never kill any scenario. That's just the world we live in at this point, so... Deontay Johnson's a guy that it's very – the Steelers think that, hey, he, he might play out those last two years on his contract, but this is the only time we can get value. I mean, yeah, the cap hits high, but it's one of those things where we can kick the money around. We could restructure him. You, you talk to the player's agent before the deal, and you restructure that money around. So I like that idea a lot because instead of getting an older guy, you're saying, hey, Deontay Johnson, Stephon Diggs, and Josh Allen – 
this is it for the next at least you know three to four years and and good luck to everybody else yeah that's really good if they could make the money work i wonder what he would cost in terms of a in terms of a trade very good connor well i've taken up a lot of your time here Get back to uh, work there or fun, whatever. Indy's both, right? The com- the combine's yeah, both. Yeah, it's a perfect blend. Yeah, it's, it's a cocktail per- of work and fun. It's perfect. <laughs> Best to Corain, too. I'll uh, see him soon enough. Thanks a lot, Connor. Anytime. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Connor Rogers, NBC Sports now. Congrats to him again on that. SNY, even PFF a little bit. Pat Corain. So who who's Pat Corain? He is one of my favorite guys in uh, in fantasy, in high stakes and in best ball. And he won, I think, it has to be the biggest prize in fantasy uh, last year. It was $2 million. Pretty good. So Connor, when Connor says, we're lucky he didn't just sail away, you know, that's, that's right. If you won $2 million, would you quit? It's an interesting number. Like you, don't, you don't get all of it. <laughs> if you won a $2 million prize... This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Depends on uh, certain factors, right? Like your age, what you like the job you have. I think I'd probably want to keep my job. I don't know if I'd be as good at it. I don't know if I'm that good at it now. I do think I used to be better at this, actually. Let me just tell you. I'll tell you that uh, candidly. I think I used to be better at this. But... Sometimes I sort of beat myself up over that. Sometimes I feel like it's just sort of natural. It's age. I, I feel like I forget things that I didn't used to forget, but that seems like that's sort of common. So uh, anyway, why am I talking about this? Howard retires tomorrow. It's just been so wonderful here having those two guys in the morning, Howard and Jeremy, and Bulldog for for my on, on this show as my partner for so long. I just love that about about the station that we've been the four of us have been, you know, kind of doing the same thing here for so long because like you always we're very very lucky. I I think we'd all say that. Uh you always hear about radio like that's just almost not possible that 
that guys are moving around all the time and formats change and management changes and like everything. You just constantly have to be on the go. And it's like one of my things I think I'm just very lucky for and very proud of uh, that we've been able to stay together for so long. It's like really Bulldog and I are 20 years almost. And so Howard leaving tomorrow, I mean, best to him. Uh, he's had a wonderful and long career. And, um, you know, here's to Howard. Retirement tomorrow. I'm sure the morning show tomorrow will be uh, really special. 803-0550 for your calls. Okay. If you're listening all the time to these these guests talking about the draft, are we maybe, yes, maybe no, moving away from receiver in the first round a little bit? C- certainly a lot of time left between now and then, but we've been kind of on a streak here, people talking about the offensive line over one of the skill positions. How about you? Also, the Sabres and the trade deadline tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Minor move today. Anders Bjork out. Carson Gusevich from Orchard Park in. That's the report. Sabres and Blackhawks making a move. Still, more and more trades around the league uh, happening. Just the Sabres have not been a big uh, part of it yet. Sabres and Bruins tonight. Paul Hamilton will join me for the pregame show at 6 o'clock. This is Mike Shope on WGR. The Sens found themselves in a very favorable position today because they were patient and because they had the financial flexibility with their salary cap, particularly after trading Nikita Zaitsev last week, Mm -hmm. to be able to be a team that they didn't need to trade a contract back to Arizona and they didn't need to have Arizona retain. Two things that the Coyotes, I'm told, were not really willing to do And they end up getting him for a first and two seconds. Frank Cervalli, TSN. Can he help me with my curling uh, coverage dilemma? No. I don't have a dilemma anymore. A listener, I I complained about it just with curling. Like if it's the NFL, if I just complained about something in terms of like finding some sort of NFL coverage... A lot of people would tell me right away how to get what I want. Like, they would know. Curling is just not everybody's favorite. So I just complained about it enough to have one guy, lifesaver, this guy, Mark. He's like, here's where you can find it. CurlingCanada.ca, maybe it is. Every draw with the TSN broadcast, that's what I want. That's what I was used to. But they didn't put them up on YouTube this year. Or at least they hadn't by two days ago. So, oh. I'm I'm back, baby. I'm what am I to draw four, I think already. I'm watching the whole thing. And that's actually true. Uh anyway, what's the point? Frank Sarabelli, TSN, Ottawa. I mean, good luck, Ottawa. It wasn't I didn't love this idea for the Sabres, and that's a combination of this is Chikrin. The player doesn't just like wow in terms of the the, the good stats and it would cost a lot, and it still does cost a lot. Okay, they were patient, but it still did. Like Ottawa, I mean, get in now, right? I feel like they're just chasing their tail, Ottawa, with that GM. He's always kind of making excuses for why they're not better, Dorian. And I know about them better than I know about other teams because of Travis. Travis Yost is often like right keen on Ottawa. So I'm probably just reflecting his opinion. It's just, I don't know, like, good luck. It's a it's a big move for a team that's that's not in a spot. And I think this way of the Sabres, I think this way of the Senators, I think they're pretty much the same overall that, you know, what are your goals? If you're pushing to get in the playoffs, 
I feel like that's just that's desperate in hockey. It's desperate. Now, you you have a situation in the East where there are three or four or five really outstanding teams, and a team like Jersey uh, is is well set up. The others are more, you know, veteran kind of teams, I guess. Uh, all of them: Boston, Carolina, Tampa, Toronto. So it it, it can change, and it, it probably will. I like for the Sabers that some of these very teams, maybe all of them, I don't know, Carolina, but the others are all trading their first round picks, even for multiple years, to to push this year, and that that should be good for me. I still have to be shrewd, the Sabers, and also find their way to a couple of real impact players, and I feel like for that point. The deadline has kind of come and gone already uh, for them, but not in terms necessarily of maybe a defenseman or even two who can help them here in the next, I believe it's 23 games. Talking earlier about the deadline, which is tomorrow, and how those of us that go back a long time with the Sabres, the deadline is a very frustrating day. You know, often I realize just sort of talking to myself here that I conflated trade deadline day with July 1st or the time leading up to July 1st because they're the same in this way where as a Sabres fan you're feeling kind of left out all the Darcy years where at least most of them where you saw not that they were always good moves and this was to Darcy's credit I think that he whether it was his choice or basically a mandate due to financial reasons or both and he was just not allowed to play in certain playgrounds when it came to free agency and you know trading a first round pick for some for some star but these these are days deadline day and and July 1st are days where I feel like you know sad a little bit with the sabers or a little bit inferior i am again just want to say it cuz i make that point uh optimistic and i feel like they're in very good hands right now but it's still it's still this way whether it's money or just sort of the state of the team right now they're a very young team and they probably shouldn't be out making offers for top veterans at least i i feel that way i i'm fine with it um you got to hope that what they have is enough now they're dealing with a couple of injuries in talk and now darlene darlene will be out the week as we knew hopefully it's not longer than that you know the, the when they went to boston the last time and won they had a great goaltending day. They got badly outplayed in that game, but got the goal the goaltending. They've had mostly in road games, it seems, this year, but these half dozen or so uh just incredible goaltending nights. Florida recently, uh Dallas was another one this year. Boston was one that Saturday afternoon where goalies have kept them close and they've done enough to win. And you know, yeah, let's have another one of those uh tonight. It's probably how you beat Boston. You know, it's probably your best chance of doing that. They also didn't see Ulmark in that first meeting in Boston. It was Jeremy Swayman that day. So playoffs looking a little bit less likely. Not a lot. Not a big difference. Still have games in hand on all the teams. Let me just look at that and lay that out out loud here. So the two wild card teams right now are the Islanders and Penguins. The Sabres are four points behind the Islanders with five games in hand still on New York. We're maybe two weeks after, <laughs> what at least a week after talking like this about all these games in hand on the Islanders. At one point it was six. And so, like, when are you going to make that up? And now we're a week or two later, and they still have five to make up on the Islanders. Only one on Pittsburgh, which is three points ahead. 
Buffalo at 66, uh, Florida at 66, Washington at 66, Ottawa and Detroit at 64. Wow. Five teams there, two points apart in the uh, in the East, just outside the playoff bracket. But yeah, thinking about deadline days or July 1st, I made the point I was sort of mixing that up a little bit because it's kind of the same feeling. The Sabres did get Daniel Briere. Would that be 20 years ago? Was that 2003, I think, Briere? That is 2003. For Grattan. And so that's the kind of move. Now, this is easy in hindsight, with hindsight, because we know how it went. But like I, I say, I'm confident in these guys. That's the kind of move that might be there for the Sabres. You just have to have, well, if the Sabres really are a team using data and making the right making decisions the right kind of way, you have to find a team that isn't like that. <laughs> and we've been that team, and now you want to find another team that isn't like that and see what you can what you can make work. Like finding Breer that way 20 years ago, wow, um, was just like a franchise-changing move. And so is that out there for these guys? I mean, they're not as a good player as a good player. They're not they're not quite as open on top as they would have been then. Like that was the bankruptcy period. You're coming out of that, and what you had Miro, and really at a time where they could kind of clean the slate, the Sabers back then. But in in uh, pretty quick time, they got to the point where they got in in 2006 and seven, where they were just about as good as anybody. 803-0550 is the number for your call. So Briere stands out. I mentioned earlier, like, give me what's been the best deadline, Sabres deadline moment in 20 years. And it is not easy. Most of the responses I got were before 20 years ago. You're talking about moves Regeer made, you know, in 98, 99, even after that where you're thinking about, you've got Dominic Hasek and you're thinking about the Stanley Cup. And that, you know, that was very exciting. Regeer, I wasn't in Buffalo yet, but was into the whole thing and excited about some of those moves, Gilmore and Dumont and, and Gratton when he came in, uh, as opposed to going out when the Briere trade. It was great stuff. Fun and effective, <laughs> mostly. Like, definitely gave the Sabres parts that they you know, benefited from, I don't know about needed, but, you know, there were good good acquisitions that, you know, the gave a jolt to the fan base, I think. Right now, I, I don't think your, your ceiling is as high this year to be wanting to do anything. It's a, such a different league in so many ways. That's pre-salary cap. You're talking about older veterans. I mean, a lot, a lot, there's a lot fewer of those guys in the league now than there were then. There's so many young players, so... You know, I think they're on the right path. Uh, I'd love to have a couple of moves here for a couple of reasons. One being that I'm in here talking about it all day, each afternoon. So that would that would work. Uh, but that's you know, that's probably not what they should be about. Anyway, I want to see uh, where we end up here tomorrow afternoon. Greg Wasinski will be on tomorrow to recap the deadline. Which really, like this year, we've had trades for more than a week, and they continue to roll in. So that's different. Paul was on yesterday. I'm sure I'll talk to Paul at some point tomorrow, too. He'll be on pregame tonight. But he was talking yesterday with me about just how wild it is that there have been so many moves already. And also, Marty Baran will join me. So Marty's going to be doing his thing on TSN 
Ooh, can I talk to him about the the curling? Maybe Marty. Anyway, he'll be on TSN during the day tomorrow, and then once he gets out of there, he'll jump on with me. That's probably like a few minutes after 6 tomorrow night to recap whatever the events are of deadline day. Got a thought? Let us know. 803-0550 is the number. 6 o'clock Sabres pregame Buffalo at Boston tonight here on WGR. Welcome back, Sabres at Bruins tonight. Pre-game in just over 10 minutes. Paul Hamilton will join me then. This is Mike Shope. Bulldog is off through Monday. Nice job, Columbus Blue Jackets, for their tweeting today about Jonathan Quick. They traded for Jonathan Quick, had him for one day, and then traded him to to Vegas. And they did the thing where you see anytime a guy's been on a team for a long time, thanks for all you did for our team. You know, you've meant so much. Columbus tweeted a couple of things like that about Jonathan Quick. Very nice. Well done. Bills draft history. Will they draft offense? I've been sort of in that wide receiver camp lately this week. More and more conversations this week. I feel like maybe offensive line is where we go instead, or even defense. Here are the Bills' last five first-round picks that were offensive players. Josh Allen is the last first-round pick the Bills have made who's an offensive player. Sammy Watkins is the second most recent offensive player picked by the Bills in the first round. E.J. Manuel is third. That was the year before Watkins. C.J. Spiller and Eric Wood. Eric Wood is the fifth most recent first-round pick the Bills have spent on an offensive player. You go back that far, or even half that far, it's irrelevant. What matters is Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, so much defense. And they will have, any team does, cause for wanting to draft a defensive player. It's just... Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I don't know. Enough. (laughs) Enough. It's not like they were perfect in the end, and they will have some departures probably to, uh, to think about. But, man, I really just offense is how you win. It's how this team has won. You know, the defense has been really good too. But I just, I want to stay there. I want to, I want to stand for that. If it happens to be a lineman, maybe okay. Like that, you're hearing too, it's not a great year for that, but there can be an opportunity, one guy, depending on how the draft goes. 
but like I'm kind of good at left tackle. I mean, they're not going to draft somebody to play left tackle. Right tackle, we'll see with Brown, who was a rookie and had some trouble getting going, and Brandon Bean talked about that. Sal was on with me earlier, and Sal's like, yeah, it sounds like they – they will be committed to him, but who knows if they're not just, you know, it's not just a smokescreen or something like that. Like, oh, that's right, smokescreen season. And then inside, they could do almost anything. Morris is playing if he, you know, if, if he's back. And like Sal wrote at the website, there's no reason yet to think that he won't be. There could be a cap move there with Morse, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't bet on it. And then guard, I guess maybe anything can happen at those positions, but... Would an offensive lineman in the first round be like a good idea? It depends on the guy. Uh, you know, re- receiver is where my head is always at. And it's just going to be a, a really interesting couple of days here coming up for how, not that it is everybody's most important thing or anything, the combine, but how the times that these guys run and how they do in the drills, how they measure up will be, uh, you know, somewhat important at least in how these guys are ranked. I mean, you have. How many? Six or eight wide receivers we've talked about as being, you know, considerations for the Bills in the first two rounds of the draft. Um, and so it's a it's a big weekend, obviously. And then quarterbacks are on Saturday, and this won't affect the Bills probably, of course, but if you get a wow kind of performance from Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, especially if it's both, in addition to C.J. Stroud, who's already the second – I think consensus second highest rated guy makes for a really fun month or two here of conversation with the quarterbacks. That means you've got four guys that will have some advocates for first overall. Like the talent with the other two, Richardson and Levis, seems to be such that you could justify it. Who knows what will happen this weekend. But Saturday, again, is the day for uh, for quarterbacks. You'll be at the Sabre game. Sabres are home to Tampa Saturday afternoon. But tonight's game first, Sabres and Bruins in Boston. Paul Hamilton joins me to preview next. This is Mike Shope on WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 